you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Jacob Stobel. Jacob, do you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. I'm a Ruby and JavaScript developer. I work for a small company that sort of works with publishers. We have a platform for publishers. And yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Nice. We had you on episode 355. We were talking about code reviews. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I remember right, that was based on a blog post that you wrote? or a it, was talk a, it was a blog post that sort of morphed into a talk I gave at uh, RubyConf that uh, I, honestly, I was really blown away. And I think it's a testament to the Ruby community that quite honestly, it was this well, it, it was, I was responding to a tweet that kind of ticked me off. <laughs> and I said, rather than get on Twitter and yell, why not write a constructive blog post about it? It is basically a, a tweet that was basically uh, just making a dumb joke about how you can either be nice or you can be productive when code reviews. And I was like, you know what? You can be nice. You can be not, and not just nice, you can be supportive and constructive and kind to your coworkers. I think that's really the main thing. But you can also be constructive with your code reviews. And on top of that, mm-hmm. you can make your coworkers uh, look forward to code reviews as a way to improve. It doesn't have to be something that's uh, something that people dread. So you know, I wrote a blog post about it as a as a way to introduce people who didn't know. It's basically this framework for. And you, I won't go too far into it because I'm sure we have to get on to things. But basically, <laughs> it's this way of like approaching code reviews or really approaching anything that uh, is about inspiring people to sort of want to do better as opposed to sort of feeling like they're being lined up against a wall and shot. So, and then that morphed into a, I, I just on a whim, I proposed it as a talk to to RubyConf. And I was like, you know, they're probably going to get a lot of proposals, but here goes nothing. And they accepted it. And and then I, when I went to give it, I was like, you know, this is the last talk. This, this talk is in the last slot of the whole conference. Probably half the people are already headed for the airport by now. And it was a full room. And it was just this wonderful testament to the Ruby community that people care about this sort of thing and want to have discussions about it. So, yeah, that's, that was kind of the story. Awesome. Yeah, I, I just, I love that. You know, it's, it's hey, look, you know... Let let me add something to the conversation. And then, yeah, it turns into a talk. It turns into a blog post. It turns into some of these other things. I'm actually looking to do the same kind of thing except videos on YouTube, you know, for five-ish minutes and just, yeah, essentially say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to add something to this conversation about this topic. Or, you know, I saw this blog post or tweet or whatever, and it made me think. 
And, but, and I, I love the approach because then we can move forward in talking about this stuff. That's totally, totally true. And you know, I, I think, you know, I, I say this as someone who's a relative newcomer and I, I don't have a CS degree and I, I'm about, I'm in my first five years of my career, depending on how you count it. And, you know, I, I kind of got into this field thinking like, if there's probably no good idea that I could have that no one else has had before. I really thought that for a long time. And part of me still thinks that, but I, I'm coming to realize that like, you know, no, actually I'm coming from a particular background that is unique to me myself. And I, I actually probably, and I, I bet all of your listeners too have something unique to share to add to the conversation. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's one thing that I want to, uh, I just want to encourage people with is, you know, just, yeah, just that kind of thing where it's, it's, Hey, look, you know, this is, this, this matters. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, anyway, this, this podcast is more focused on your story, you mm-hmm. know, where you come from, what your background is. I feel like a lot of times we get people on the show and we focus on whatever it is that they've talked about or have been talking about lately. Mm-hmm. And what I'm after is I think a lot of times we ignore the people behind it. And sure. the the people is kind of an important aspect as far as why this matters or how it comes about. And so anyway, I, I, I just I started this show and it's funny because I, I get I get replies from people that are, you know, excited about this kind of stuff. And you know, they really care about the people. So I, I'm really interested in capturing your your story, you know, where you came from, what drives you. So let's go back to your story. Let's talk about the very beginning. How did you get into programming? Yeah, so, well, I'll say like when I was in high school in the 90s, I definitely took computer science class and they had us toying around with Pascal and C++. And to be perfectly honest, I couldn't write a hell of a world in Pascal if you ask me to. Like, I don't remember anything <laughs> about that. So, um, and C++ is not much better. <laughs> so that was like sort of the prologue of all of that. I liked the class, but I sort of put that away for 15 years, honestly. And I, I went on to pursue other things. And eventually I came back around and I was working in this job in an unrelated, completely unrelated field uh, related to education. But my job involved a lot of data processing. I had mm-hmm. to keep track of a lot, like this, you know, data systems. And the job I was hired for was really basically uh, data entry. And, you know, I, I remember those first few months of that on that job, I, I would get repetitive strain injury because I was doing a lot of move oh, wow. this cell to that cell, copy, paste, move this over, right? And that's the job I was hired for, right? That's what they were expecting to do. But I just knew there was a better way to do it. And I'd been interested in technology all along. I was like, you know what? I'm just curious, right? The the thing was is this job was at a college, right? And that there was this there was this benefit, it was sort of a fringe benefit, which is saying like you could take one class a semester for free. And I was like, well, could I get into the intro computer science class? And it turned out I did. Uh, the class was in Python, and they got me starting with that. It was a blast, just to say the least. And But very quickly, as I started taking that class, I started telling myself, you know what? I bet this process that I'm doing by hand right now, I wonder if I could tell Python to sort of speed up this bit, right? 
to sort of like tell Python to iterate over the spreadsheet and for each of the columns do blah, 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 right? And I was like, I just wonder, like it was just a whim one day, right? And I sort of plugged that into Google. And it's like, oh, <laughs> there's, look, there's all this stuff about that, right? There's even this like, and there's blog posts and there's all this documentation. It's like, wow, I could I'd give that a shot, right? So I give that a shot and I'm like, oh my gosh, right? This thing that took me an hour, you know, it took me, this thing that normally would have taken me an hour to do by hand, I can run a script and it's done in, a, in less than a second. Holy crap, <laughs> right? And, and to be fair, right, like that script took me probably, I don't know, like it took me half a day to write, right? But it's like, oh, okay, like I have to run this script every month. Right. Um, eventually that's going to save me a lot of time. But more than that, it let, it wa- I walked away with this sort of like confidence, like, oh, like this is something that I could actually do. And I think the thing that a lot of people, it's a story they tell themselves when they're sort of complete beginners. They don't know they're telling themselves that necessarily, but they're telling themselves, they're like setting these sort of arbitrary limits on what they can and can't do with technology. Right. Thing like, oh, I bet I could do, maybe I could do this, but I don't know if I could go any further with that. And so that first couple of years was really just like me continuously pushing the boundary on what I believe I could do with technology, with programming, right? And at first, like at first, it was like I bet I could write a script to process that spreadsheet. And like later, it was I bet I could write a series of scripts that sort of uh, manage the whole data system, right? All and by the way, while all of this was going on, it never occurred to me that like I could turn this into a new career. I mean, I thought about it, but I was like, no, that doesn't mean I could just like be a programmer, right? Like I'm making these little scripts, but that doesn't mean I could be a programmer. And like how silly that was. And, and, and honestly, <laughs> if I could go back and tell myself like, no, like you're on the start, you're on the start of something big, you act, keep going and you actually could be, you're on, you're on the way to, to a new career if that's what you want. Because honestly, I wasted time. Like I thought... I, I spent the first couple of years programming just thinking like, I'm just doing this just sort of for fun and also because it's sort of making my job a little bit easier. So anyway, once I got over that, <laughs> yeah. once like I got over that and taught and sort of convinced myself, like, actually, I could go for a different career, a one that would, you know, be fun. And, and basically all of this like programming stuff, like I could do that all day. And that's my favorite part of my job right now. So I started learning, I started taking more computer science classes, which I got to do for free. That was a huge benefit of that job. I started learning, sort of filling out my knowledge. I started learning front end. I started learning about working with databases, web development generally. And around that point with my job, I had this opportunity to sort of, well, just in summary, basically, like we had all these sort of data systems in that job and they were... That's putting it loosely. Basically, it meant like there was a spreadsheet here, there was an access database over there. It was all this sort of loose stuff. And eventually, I sort of got up the courage to ask my boss. And I said, you know what? What if we overhauled the whole thing and we all turned it into a web app? What would that take? You know, could we get the support from the, from the administration, from you know, the IT people who would be able to sign off on that? Could we do that? Unfortunately, I had a really supportive boss who said yes, and you know, probably could have had reason to say no, like I don't want to take a chance on that. But she said yes. Nice. Yeah, and I and I'm just so eternally grateful for that. 
And so I, so I picked Rails. It was something that I was new to. And I, I was just, just getting used to starting to learn Ruby. And said, you know what? Um, I've done doing this research and there's, there's a really supportive community. Rails is really a proven mm-hmm. uh, library for getting this sort of work done. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking like down the line when I want to change careers, like this is a remarkable skill down. So that's that's structure we went in. And like, it's just funny because literally as I'm building the plane, I'm learning how to build planes, right? Like I, as I'm building this new system, I'm like, wait, how, what is, how do you do it? <laughs> and like, I'm watching videos on Rails and it's like, it, it's, and it was just the best learning experience because it was tethered to this really tangible thing I had to build. And so fast forward, and that was a project that sort of spans several years, if you include the time it took to build and new things I added onto it. And it was just this really terrific experience. And I think one of the best things that was great about it that helped launch my career is that it was a real world project. And I mean, like, it, it was a real world project that other people cared about. And so because they cared about it, like I was accountable to them. And like, it wasn't my job just to code. You know, and I think like, if for people out there who are learning to code, building your own projects for yourself is a terrific experience. But if there's any opportunity where you can build something that someone else cares about and holds you accountable to them to deliver on and forces you to get in a room with them and say like, okay, well, what, tell me precisely about what you want. And then you go and build it and you say, is this what you're thinking? And they say, no, not quite. Could you change this bit? Like that process is, was so uh, just as important as like, learning the syntax of Ruby. And I, and boy, did I get a lot of experience with that because I was working with people <laughs> who, you know, this was a new process for them as stakeholders of a technology. Like they were used to being just pure consumers of like, here's a technology that we could, that we're customers of, and we don't get any say in what it looks like. And I was like, no, actually now you get to decide, you get to work with me and tell me what it is you want, right? And we can sort of plan it out together and decide what's the priority, and we can figure out what it should look like. We can make anything. Yep. Well, and, yeah. no, it's it's just interesting that you're talking about this, uh, you know, the, the kind of the way that you got into programming. I did an interview with somebody on Monday and they said that uh, programming is essentially translating our messy world into basically instructions that a computer can follow. Yeah. And, you know, so you're talking about this approach and, you know, hey, we've got these things in place and, you know, maybe we rewrite these parts of it. Maybe we build these other parts of it. And, you know, ultimately that's the value, right? That's the thing is it's like, it's like, oh my goodness, I can take this messy thing that's part of my life and I can make it repeatable and consistent and make everything better. Yeah. And, you know, that was one of the challenges that my former employer had which is that there were a lot of processes that were kind of on shaky ground. And, you know, we did, people did them differently between person to person and across, you know, from one year to the next, they might have been gone down differently. And I was saying like, you know, I'm, we can make something that's, we can be flexible. And when we make a web app, when we make our, 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 this program, but the program, if we're handing over sort of responsibility to a web app, it's going to need to know what the policy is, right? And that policy can allow for lots of flexibility if we need it to, but we need to decide before we get it going, we need to decide what that actual policy is that 
you know, that real world policy, uh, what that looks like. And as a result, that started some really good conversations that forced the humans involved <laughs> to sort of decide, like, well, what does that look like? Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So usually I'm like, oh, okay. So what was it that, that really got you excited? But I think you've pretty well covered that. I'm, I'm curious. You got into Rails as part of this process. Why did mm-hmm. you choose Rails over something else? Yeah, and honestly, like I could have picked. <laughs> it's pretty funny, like because I could have easily picked Django, and I knew Python at the time. And then like we wouldn't even be talking right now, right? Like I'd be mm-hmm. on a Python podcast talking about a different, the same story. Right. Honestly, like I at this at the time I felt pretty comfortable with Python. And I said, you know what? This is an opportunity to pick up Ruby and Rails, and now I'll know two two languages. So it, it I I almost flipped a coin, literally. But yeah, I picked I picked Rails because one, just from all my research, it was I could tell how supportive of the community was, how how it was a it was a language that was easy to pick up, but also really you can get a lot done with it when you master it. Yeah, which all of which is true of Python as well. But and I think there was like when I just Googling around, I just really got this tone from Ruby and Rails that it's how fun it was, which now that I'm involved, I'm like, well, of course it is. But you right. can just sort of tell that was a value that was represented by the by the community and really sort of point people were sort of bragging about how fun it was. And that was something that's really a value that was really lived out in a lot of the just like the welcome page when you pull up rails, right? Like just this like fun people that are standing and holding hands. So like, yeah, this is all fun. fun. Yep. Absolutely. So what, what have you done in rails that you're particularly proud of or that people might've heard of in terms of like contributions you mean, or, yeah, or just any projects that you've worked on that you really liked or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, and you know, I, I say this to, people listening out there like i am not a i'm not a huge open source contributor and you, if you are if you are not as well that's okay you know i have a i have a one-year-old and um, i'm able to do a little bit of side work side project work for fun but what some work i have done is so there's a open source project called the wiki edu dashboard um, it's this interesting education tool it's open source and it's really for people that are if you're if you are a high school teacher, it's a great tool for teaching students about research. The basic idea is if you can turn students loose on a research project and say, "I want you to research this project," and then when you're when you've collected the information, I want you to write a, a Wikipedia article about it. So to sort of share your research with the, mm-hmm. with the rest of the world, to make it tangible, right? Make it actually useful. Or if an article already exists, edit it. And what that what this dashboard does is it it's it sort of facilitates all the steps that a teacher would want in sort of tracking you know, students you know the, the research they did the contributions they made and it, it sort of just facilitates that as a lesson as a unit for for students to go in and, and do that and again like when I was I, I was looking for something to sort of get involved with a project that was sort of bigger than me. Uh-huh. You know, one of the limitations that I sort of found when I was programming by myself in my old job was that like, I was the most experienced person. And that was because I was the only person, right? And I, I found that really, really to be a limitation. I was like, you know what? I would like to be involved 
you know, I, at the time I didn't, I wasn't ready to jump into a, a job as a professional developer. But I thought, you know, I, I think it would be compelling to an employer if I really got involved in an open source project. For one, because to, to show that I've had experience working with people more experienced than me, because I just think that's a great way to show that you have a desire for personal growth. If you want to work and get feedback from people who know more than you. And I really did, you know, like, uh, sure to jump onto a ticket and to put something together and <laughs> get, get a, a lot of really constructive feedback that sort of forces you to, um, understand, you know, the, 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 the surrounding architecture that the work you're doing exists in. And, you know, uh, when you're working by yourself on a small project, you can, you can put together a solution sometimes any number of different ways. But when the project gets bigger, people are going to have opinions about how things fit together, both in terms of style, but also sort of how it interacts with the rest of the architecture. And of course, there could be corner cases that you wouldn't be aware of if you were new to the project. And you really find yourself getting mentored, even if the mentor wasn't meaning what didn't think of it as that but you get really just a lot of great feedback working on open source projects you really get a sense of like you know a lot of open source projects can have a really like long history and can have been around for several years and you get a sense of you know the decision that was made three years ago impacts decisions that you're making now and i think when you're working on smaller projects you don't get a sense of that you make a small project and it's done but legacy projects, you know, are continuing to grow. You're living with choices that people that might not even be on the project anymore uh, made years and years ago. And you're you're having to think, you're having to keep their thoughts in mind when you make new decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that was like a really, really useful learning experience. And now I, you know, I, I work as a professional developer. And when I'm working with legacy code, uh, which is a lot, that's just a really useful skill. I, I, uh, it's almost like being a detective. This is like, you know, you're thrown <laughs> into like an old job. It's like, my first question is, where do I put my code? <laughs> like, yep. or, or where, where is the code that, where this problem, that will show me where this problem is? And like, just figuring that part out, like the discovery portion of, uh, of the job is significant, right? And you sort of build, you find yourself building instincts to say like, well, knowing what I know about the code base, I just bet it's in this file. Or I bet that if I put this, these search terms in, you know, I search for this string, I bet I'll find something interesting. And eventually you sort of, as you gain more experience and you gain more experience with a code base, you, you sort of find yourself being able to sort of find your way around a little bit faster, which is encouraging because, you know, <laughs> I've been in this job for about three months now, so I'm still pretty new, but you find yourself being able to get around a little bit better. Yep, absolutely. So what are you working on now? So we're a, we're a publishing company, or we're not a publishing company, we're a company called ePublishing, and we have a platform for publishers. It's basically a, well, I, I hesitate to speak for our sales team, but basically if you're a publisher and you have online publications were a, a platform that you're that's going to be able to help you and help you with ads and other monetizations and stuff like that. And I'm working as a front end developer. I really identify as a generalist, uh, which mm-hmm. is why I, that's why I'm really podcast right now. And I, I think what was really compelling about this job is that we we don't think of ourselves. Front end developer is my title, but it's not my competence. I'm, uh, and and when 
when I'm given some work to do, if my work takes me into the back end, fine. Right. I'm, I'm perfectly competent to reach into the back end and work across the stack yeah. uh, to get my work done. And I really appreciate that. But, you know, about this team that we sort of, we, we do what we need to do and we help each other. And so, yeah, that's, it's a, it's been a, it's been a great place to work, but yeah, it's, it's, a, I've been transitioning into my sort of my first quote unquote real developer job, which I, I don't, I don't know if I like that word, but that's what people would, would say. <laughs> you, you're a real developer. The, the first line of code you write. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I don't know if I have any other questions for you. Um, is there anything else that people ought to know about you? Uh, gosh, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I'm not on Twitter very often posting things, but I tweet as Jay Sobel, but no, I think that's, that's about it. All right, cool. Well, let's, let's do some picks then. Do you have some picks for us? This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for devchat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling, and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at digitalocean.com. Uh, I'm going to pick a talk at RubyConf 2017. It's called Get Driven Refactoring by Ashley Ellis Pierce. This is a really interesting talk about how your GitHub history or your Git history really helps tell a story of what your thought process was, what your coworkers' thought process was. And really specifically, if you're new to a code base or if you're refactoring a bit of code that you're relatively new to, what you can learn by looking at the Git history and particularly the Git, the, the commit messages, what can sort of tell you about, you know, what should change or what shouldn't change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of, you know, and I think it's really easy for us to think about how commit messages are just homework and we just want to type them in really fast and not think about it. But it really sort of changed my thinking about how uh, every commit message we write is a clue to our future self about what should happen next. So it's called Get Driven Refactoring. Check it out. Very cool. I guess the last question, you mentioned Twitter. Do you have a blog or how do people find you on GitHub? Oh, sure. So I'm Jay Stobel on GitHub as well. We mentioned the uh, the, uh, the talk I did at RubyConf and the slides are there as well. And I I, I might post put, put random side projects on GitHub as well. And then I have a blog. I try to write to once in a while. It's jstobel.com. Awesome. So uh, I've been eyeballing. I'm really trying to figure out how to get there. Uh, Ruby Kaigi, uh, which is uh, May 31st through June 2nd. It will, it will already have happened when this comes out, but it has not happened yet as we record it. There's a time warp for you folks. And uh, anyway, I, I, I really want to go. So yeah, it's kind of the conference that's put on that is the most accessible, I guess, for the Ruby core team in Japan. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends from here in the U.S. as well are going to be there, you know, people that we've had on the show over the years. And so, yeah, I would just love to work things out so that uh, I could go and kind of interview all the core team members that I don't get on the podcast. But uh, that said, yeah, I'm going to pick Ruby Kaigi. And then lately, I've just been cleaning up my office and trying to get a bunch of stuff uh, done. So if you're 
one of the things... So when I talk about cleaning up my office, I'm also talking about cleaning up all of the files that I've accumulated on my laptop that I haven't done what I wanted to do with them. (laughs) So um, yeah, so I'm scanning receipts and things like that. But the other thing that I'm doing is I'm reaching out to people who have reached out to me about sponsorship. And if you're interested in sponsoring shows like this one, let me know. I've also been pulling together podcasts like Elixir Mick, which will also be out and have a number of episodes by the time this goes live. And I found all the videos that I recorded at CES in January. And I was like, oh, I haven't posted these yet. So um, by the time this goes live, that should all be up on YouTube along with um, I think I mentioned the show that I'm working on now where I talk for five minutes or so every day about something Ruby related. So all that's on YouTube. If you go to devchat.tv slash YouTube, you can check that out. As we speak, I am about 35 subscribers shy of having a thousand subscribers, which kind of seems like something that I should be able to pull off. So if you're interested at all, go subscribe at devchat.tv slash YouTube. And uh, yeah, I would love to just get your feedback on anything that I can handle there. Those five minute videos, incidentally, I also would really love at least once a week to be answering somebody's question. So if you have Ruby questions or tool questions or process questions or anything really, you know, uh, career advice or anything like that, definitely let me know and I'll see if I can get that answered on YouTube. Or we may just do a Ruby Rogues episode about it. Who knows? So uh, anyway, yeah, just jump in and uh, let me know what I can do to help you out. I guess one last thing related to that, if you go to devchat.tv slash 15 minutes, it'll also schedule a time for you to talk to me for 15 minutes. And we'll just talk about whatever you want. So, you know, I might ask you what shows you listen to. I might ask you a couple of other questions about what we can do to help you out or what kind of content we can create for you. But the 15 minutes is generally yours. So if you have a burning question about your career or about Ruby or about something else that I can help you with, uh, you know, just jump on and schedule it. This is kind of my opportunity to get to know people when I'm not traveling for conferences. And I really, really appreciate that I'm probably going to meet some people this way that I don't meet any other way. So anyway, uh, Jacob, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you. This is great. All right. Well, we'll wrap this one up, folks, and we will be back next week. And incidentally, I know who your guest is going to be next week because I'm interviewing him in an hour. It's going to be Andy Hunt from Pragmatic Programmer. So nice. keep an ear out for that. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.